Welcome to Learning with Lisa, Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast with Lisa Navarra, award-winning educator, consultant, behavior specialist, author, and parent. This podcast provides support for school leaders, educators, and parents. We share and discuss evidence-based resources that are embedded in social and emotional learning to meet the needs of students who struggle focusing and learning. Teachers and parents find information and strategies to improve students' academic, behavioral, and social-emotional performance. It's time to turn kids from I can't into I can. Welcome to Student Success Beyond Expectations. Can children and adults with dyslexia learn to hear the music of words? Mike Montague is here today to share with us his experiences, yes, with dyslexia, but even more, his love and passion for reading, for writing, and how his family has supported him throughout those years. So if you're a parent or an educator or even administrator who sees your child or student with dyslexia and you're just concerned because even the smallest of words, sight words, three-lettered words are so difficult for that child and you see such slow progress and yet such big effort being put forth by that child. Mike is here to share that there's so much light and less worry down the road, but a lot of it has to do with the support system and the mindset that yes, the child has, but also the mindset of those around the child. So welcome, Mike. Hey, so great to be here and excited to talk about this because it's something that I don't talk about very often. I, I certainly, um, don't bring it up unless other people ask me about it or something. So it'll be really fun for me. Great. So where would you like to begin with this? What do you think is the, the starting point to give people some hope and insight to really allowing children to develop yet encourage them to be the best that they can be? Yeah, you teased it a little bit, uh, but I'll give just give you the short story and then we can dissect it and, and see what you find interesting. But basically, uh, my father was a, a terrible speller. Uh, we, he teaches sales training now, and we have a disclaimer at the beginning of every class. It's selling, not spelling. If he writes anything on the board, it is going to be misspelled. <laughs> and so I inherited some of those uh, traits. Uh, and even growing up, I knew that I got a lot of spelling and English and grammar things wrong throughout school. So I, I was always a good student, and I think the name of your podcast is interesting because my parents always had uh, really high expectations for me and I was expected to do well in school and get A's and, and do well, but every report card came back with like all A's, maybe one B, and then the English score was a C. Uh, and fifth grade, I think was a really particularly tough one for me. That one went below a, a C a few times. And it wasn't until I was going into high school when I actually got diagnosed with uh, dyslexia. I always call it listexia because I think that's funnier for those. Yeah, it is kind of funny, Mike. Yeah, why not? Let's pick up those letters even when we speak. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, I took a placement test going into the private Catholic high school uh, to see which classes I would go into. And I scored like the highest they'd ever had, the 99th uh, percentile on math and science. 
and I went 0 for 10 on the spelling section. The questions were pick which word is misspelled. And there were four words that I had never seen before. They were very long, complicated words. And I went 0 for 10. I didn't even guess one right. I was picking the one that I thought looked most misspelled. <laughs> and I was wrong. <laughs> and so I didn't think a big deal about it, but then they wanted to put, place me in a remedial reading class. And I was like, well, that's silly for me. I've always been in advanced classes. I always wanted to do my best and, and was a good student. And it was like, it just was weird for me. I was like, how am I going to be in like the advanced math class and the remedial reading class? Like it just didn't register. There was even questions about me cheating. They were like, well, how did you um, cheat? Uh, how did you like read the other sections of the test? If you can't read, how did you pass the science portion <laughs> of this where you had to do it? Uh, I have plenty of funny stories. We'll dig into those, but uh, they found out that I was dyslexic and they said, we'll put you in the other classes and move you out of the remedial one if you take a speed reading course and you work on this outside of school. So I got special tutoring and stuff to get get back into the classes. And I did and I still struggled with that all the way through high school. And it wasn't until college where I had a really good teacher that uh, and also spell check came out, which was uh, a great sure. advantage to my writing, sure. that I started winning awards for my writing. I won best sports writing in the state of Missouri, and I won second place in news writing in college at Park University. And I finally got the, the confidence to write and to see myself as a, a writer. Right. I feel like I'm already giving way too many of the details. There's a special story about that too. But long story short, now I wrote a book that was picked up by LinkedIn and a Sandler training, the sales training company I work for. So published by LinkedIn themselves and over 80,000 uh, downloads for the book that I wrote. I've written other books for, for Sandler now and ghostwritten a ton of articles for HubSpot and big national billion dollar uh, companies and been published in all kinds of publications. I'm working on another book now called Playful Humans. And uh, I am a content creator. I still like the podcast more because I don't have to write and spell, but, but I host a couple of those, but it's so much more fun for me now to understand that I do, um, I can communicate and I can read. I read more than most humans these days too. So I can read a book a week. Uh, usually it's about 25 books a, a year or so. And, uh, and I love it, but I definitely did not start with that confidence. But look at how, how engaged you are in what was a challenge when you were in school. You know, Mike, there's so many parents that, you know, they're so concerned about their, their kid. They're, they're not spelling, they're not reading, they try and write a sentence and it's all backwards, it's missing letters. They're in third grade, they don't know their, their vowel sounds. You know, tell us about your family. Tell us about how they approach that C you got in, in as a grade and just how they were in general. I think it's, it's funny, maybe because my dad is also uh, dyslexic and I don't know that he was ever diagnosed or would say that he is, but I, I'm guessing with it, his spelling ability. We joke about it in the family when we're texting each other that you know you're dyslexic if you can't spell a word well enough to have it autocorrect. Uh, I hope so, everybody heard that one. That's really funny. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's true. I'll be like, I tried four times to spell uh, uh. 
reception or something and it didn't even yeah. guess the word so yeah. i'm i'm stuck i have a especially hard time with the i before e except after c rule it's the worst rule in the history of grammar it is never right <laughs> every time i try and do it it comes up wrong uh in the spell check so uh couple of things that I, I've learned to do is cope with that is with spell check. Now, when I see it right enough times, I can uh, memorize the word, basically. So there are words that I use a lot, like friend, that I memorize from the Friends TV show. And I can picture the logo in my mind and be like, no, that doesn't look right. And re retype it <laughs> because I missed it. Yeah. So let me ask you, when you put that, that example, when you see friends, do you see the actual picture, like the size of the letter, the F is high, the other letters are small, the D is tall? Right? Yeah, well, and those those colored dots, like I actually think of the, the Friends logo with each letter separated and the dots in between helps me spell that word because now it's not a word. They're all actually all of the letter separated with the dots and I can think of the way that it looks. Uh, yes, on. and the way that it looks is building that picture in your mind. So do you find that you, you think in pictures a lot? Yeah, I would say that's right. And I don't know if that's true for everybody else because I don't have any experience with not having dyslexia. But mm -hmm. I think as a kid, I did have a little bit of like a, a photographic memory too. And I could remember more the shape of the word than right. how to spell it. Right. So if I type out something, I'll go, mm, that shape doesn't look yeah. right. Not if yeah. the letters are right in between. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's how I cope and how I ended up memorizing these words over time. But it was definitely a, a struggle for, especially words that I um, have never seen before. That's kind of my, still my biggest one. If I see a scientific word or something, I would have no idea on how to guess how to spell it. I was always jealous of the people in the spelling bees when they give them a word and they're like, yes. oh, that has a French root. So it must be, oh, <laughs> I'm like, no, no idea. Like, I'm not going to get there. I have no idea how that works. Oh, that's fantastic. So we have a couple of takeaways even with that. One is for your family structure and even in the classroom, you know, make fun. Even when I'm in the classroom, I, today I was like, oh, those B's and those D's, they get tricky. Your brain's flipping it on you. And you know what? And, and the kids, right? And then the kids, they, they just kind of laugh at themselves and they fix it rather than saying, okay, you did it wrong again. That D has to be a B or that B has to be a D, then, then they get stressed out. So your family took it very lightly. They added humor. They still have that humor in it, loving it. And also thinking in pictures and the shape of the words to really try and remember. If there's an important word to remember, think of the shape that it's in. So Bs and Ds are- Yeah, I love it. Two uh, other things I think I know. You know you're dyslexic. Uh, if you have to shimmy words in uh, when you're handwriting stuff. So I usually print these days, although cursive, I think, is actually easier for me uh, because, and maybe I just don't do it because I, I would have to scratch it out then and rewrite the word. Uh, but with printing, I always have to go back and shimmy an I in or any in a word. Those are the two that really get me the most. And it's like, nope, that's not right. And so I usually end up writing like the first letter of the word and the last letter of the word and then filling in the oh, middle yeah. to find that that shape. Yeah. And um, and I think I do get a lot more stress if it's cursive or something. I'm like, OK, I have to think now, even with my own name sometimes, like thinking yeah. 
Yeah. What is that next letter? Because I don't want to mess this up and have to start over <laughs> again. Right. Well, you're focusing on there's motor movement. There's another way of, of using your brain. Now it's cursive rather than print. So there's different skills involved. And I think we need to remember that too when working with kids. When we ask them to do maybe the same task, spell your name, but in a different way, we need to be patient and not judgmental. Oh, come on, you know your name. I mean, I had one of my kids today forgot to eat the yeah. end of her name, you know? So it yeah, I would say uh, I do that a lot. I skip a lot of letters and I mess it up a lot. And um, the two things that help me the most are spell check, like we mentioned, and I use Grammarly now yes. to correct. So any type of business communication, I just type it out and I take my time and I check every single uh, one, because I know my brain won't do it automatically. Even when I type, uh, there's a lot of autocorrections in every every sentence, for sure. So what about those people who are saying, well, that's cheating. They shouldn't have that. Ooh, um, I would say life's an open book test. Uh, so cheat away. Um, <laughs> nobody's keeping score here with the work that I do. I've written you know, hundred page books that are bestsellers and been successful for international companies. And uh, guess what? There's copywriters to check all of the grammar and all the spelling afterwards. So all I have to do is know my stuff and I can be successful and highly paid and, and enjoy the work that I do. So yes. um, it may be important for school uh, to learn how to do that. And I, I would say that there probably is some basic levels of a function that you want to be able to have, especially with reading to move around the world and you might not get the time, you know, if you're reading a map or, you know, looking at a subway sign to make sure you get on the right subway in a big city, there's probably some basic reading and recognition that you need to get. But these days with writing, almost everything is electronic. So I, I say cheat away. Yeah. And you know what? It's a great support. It really is. And I love that you said life is an open book because when you're done with school, who's looking who's really looking and if they're yeah. really looking at what grade you got where where you graduated from then maybe that's not really the job for you because what you said is really i agree with it's the content not only is it the content that you know can you apply the content and it's also the way in which you deliver it right so yeah. you're delivering it in your 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 job you're delivering it in your writings so talk to us about that how are you taking your content and delivering it so you feel successful and the message is getting out there. Yeah, I, there's a lot to unpack there. I would add two things. I still use, um, you know, dictionary.com and thesaurus.com uh, a lot and I can look stuff up. And like I said, all I have to do is be able to guess close enough for autocorrect <laughs> to kick in uh, on those things and, and it helps a lot. But from there, uh, I give a lot of hacks to content creators because I am more of a natural speaker. And when I write, uh, I'm speaking the way that I write. Um, and I, I don't have a different voice for my, my written words and, and books that I do. I'll let a copy editor or somebody else fix something if I'm too colloquial in the writing or I'm using contractions. But I even know uh, successful authors that I've interviewed for my podcast that um, dictated their entire book. Uh, so they didn't type a word of it. And they're doing, again, hundreds of pages of very uh, complicated material, and they're not typing it at all. Or uh, there's lots of other options for that. Like we use a, a ghostwriter uh, at Sandler. So our company has published over 33 books, 
and he'll either edit uh, those that people write. And if you're writing communication style, if you're a better writer than you are a talker, go ahead and write it. They'll, they'll clean it up. If you're a better talker, you can get on the phone and he'll interview you and ask you questions. And after three or four hours of interviewing, you got enough content for a book and he can synthesize it or anywhere in between. I'll take transcripts of uh, my podcasts and turn them into blog posts or take a bunch of short blog posts and combine them into a longer format thing like a white paper or an ebook uh, uh, or a longer book. And so I think there's lots of ways to figure out what your strengths are. And, and I just want to add one more thing here is that I find dyslexia an advantage because I think differently than other people. And so uh, to be honest with you, we got enough people that can spell right? <laughs> we don't have enough people that can be creative, that can combine letters in new ways that we've never seen before, combine words and new patterns that express an idea differently, and especially in math. Uh, so uh, I forget if it was a 35 or a 36 I got in math on my ACT, but it was way up there. And I always thought that I did math better because of my dyslexia. I would solve problems backwards rather than the way that they teach you. And I could uh, check my my work and things and think about solving problems differently. That's been a huge advantage to me, for sure. Talk to us about your mindset when you are presented with a challenge, no matter what that challenge is. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, I think the first question, and I'm just going to kind of continue with the thought I, I just had there, and then uh, maybe I'll give you a second answer to this question too. But the first one is, I think about it, is it a problem or a challenge that I can solve? So if somebody is asking me to spell check a document, I'm gonna say, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> Lisa, sorry about that. This challenge is not for me. Uh, also spreadsheets and other things that are just very detailed and intricate things. Uh, anybody that is good at Excel, God bless you, I need your help. Uh, so those challenges or things I either know whether I need to delegate them or it's going to take a lot of time and energy for me. So I better block off distractions and I better block off a lot of time to do that. And I do think that uh, since we're talking to teachers and, and stuff here, allowing people more time on a test makes a huge difference. Um, it was again an ACT where I got accused of, of cheating because I had a, a low score when I ran out of time on one where you had to read the, the article and then answer the questions at yep. the end. Yep. First time I took it, I had mono the week before I, I took the ACT and I think I got like a 21 uh, or something, maybe might lower than that. I think it was like an 18 uh, on the reading portion. And I was just like, oh, I was so disappointed. I didn't get to finish it. I was stressed out. I ran out of time. And then the second time I took it, the subject happened to be something I knew about. The writing was about clouds and the types of clouds like cumulus and Sirius. So I just skipped the writing. I answered all the questions and I got, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got a, a really high score on it. It was like a 31. <laughs> Believe it or not, the ACT committee called me and they were like, people do not jump 10 points. We need to know what your strategy was and if you cheated on this uh, test again. So two or three times I got accused of cheating because of this uh, dyslexia and- yeah. It was another one. They were like, people don't get 10 points better three months apart. Right. Like what, what happened right. here? I was like, I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> I didn't read the article this time. I just skipped it. <laughs> uh, and it was really funny. Right. 
So I think that's my kind of first thing is I, I know my strengths. I know what I'm good at. And when I face a challenge, I solve it with the things that I, I'm good at, what I'm best at. So I'm best at coming up with creative solutions or putting things in a, a new order because of dyslexia and other advantages of creativity for the way my brain works is uh, I love jokes because they're unexpected. I can combine you know, jokes or words in a new way that people don't normally think about. And those connections make me giggle and, and make other people laugh. And I love to solve problems with out of the box thinking rather than the linear progression of things. And I don't know if those two are related or not, because I, I, like I said, I don't know how other people's brain works, but I feel like that's one of my advantages is uh, if things are going to be out of order, let me make them out of order. And a lot of people can't think that way. I feel like you've worked for really productivity, aligning yourself with the approach that works for you in a concrete way. Because really, the first thing that you said to me when I said, how do you approach challenges? You thought concrete, right? You thought, okay, Excel spreadsheet, or I might need help with that. Or, you know, like you really came up with some specific examples, but I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb and you tell me if you think that maybe I'm a little off, it's fine, but I think you have what's called a growth mindset and a very positive attitude. And I think yeah. that surrounds and takes over any kind of concrete intervention program or anything else above all is the fact that this is this is what I have to do, this is what I wanna do, and I'm gonna get it done. Now, how am I gonna get it done? So I think for you, what your greatest success that you haven't even seen maybe in you is your strength is thinking, I can and I will, there's no can't. And my, and my editor might tell me to say, cannot anyway, so forget that, <laughs> right? Right, exactly. Right, yeah. so it's all about within you, the passion and the belief that you can get done what you wanna do. And I have a feeling because your parents believed in you from the start, you had that teacher who recognized you and said, you hear the music of words. And now it brings you value into who you are. And I'm telling you, Mike, you're a lot bigger than you even realize because of that growth mindset that you have. You just keep on moving ahead. Okay, I want to do this? I'm going to start another podcast. I'm going to do this? Eh, they need another article. Let's make it international. All right, we're going to write a book. LinkedIn's got it. 8,000 downloads. Check, check. But what you're missing is stepping back and saying, I got whatever I create. I've got whatever comes my way because I'm me and I carry the biggest self-growth mindset and self-value that anybody else can, can have. I can achieve anything. I think that's your biggest strength. Uh, I love that. And thank you for saying that. That, that hits me in the feels. Um, so- three things that it triggered for, for me there. One is um, the LinkedIn story you, you nailed. So I was writing a book about LinkedIn and social selling for the sales training company, Sandler. And we were going to call it LinkedIn the Sandler way. And they go, the lawyers said, we don't know if we can put LinkedIn's name on the book. And I said, well, we do the sales training for LinkedIn. Why don't we call them up and ask them? And they said, hey, we've been looking for a book for salespeople. 
if you you know get it done by August 15th, we'll publish it out to these 80,000 people. And I said, deal. <laughs> so we got to put their name on it. We got co-written and, and we got it published to a way more audience just by looking for solutions around that problem that we were set at. Now, you mentioned the other thing that really gets me, uh, um, well, the other two things that get me emotional. Uh, the first one was, I thought I was bad at English. Uh, I thought all of the feedback I had gotten was, was negative um, outside of my parents who, who really, I think, did support me and uh, they wanted me to do better. I think they knew that it wasn't for lack of trying here, though, because they would see me spend a long time trying to read or, or trying to write the, the stuff. But all my feedback from grades and, and teachers was that that was my worst uh, aspect of, of schooling, right? That I thought of all the things I'm good at, that's not one of them. But when I got to college and I got spell check and I got into this journalism class, I wrote these two articles. One got best sports writing, uh, I think I mentioned, and the other one got um, best news writing in the whole state of Missouri for, for college media. And that teacher said, you hear the music of words. And when Mr. Laughlin said that, it was the first time I'd ever had a compliment in my whole life for the writing and stuff that I did. Everybody else saw the mistakes. And that was really hard. Yeah. And that's the moment where I got confidence to, to do it, that I could write and that I could read. And I, I was pretty sure I was really trying to figure out I was going to finish college by still failing <laughs> these English classes. I was prepared to retake classes over and over again until I, I at least got a C to pass. Uh, and that changed everything. When we tell kids, this is your hardest subject. Wow. We're saying, but it's okay because you're better at the other ones. I think this is a huge message because when we tell kids and they know when things are hard for them, but we need to open that door and say, it's challenging, but there's solutions to that. There's ways we can get around that. Yeah. So if you like reading, you love to hear stories, you like writing, there's ways to still express yourself. And then it'll, you can own it if you want to. And it's a huge lesson. Thank you for that. Yeah, and there, there's another side of that too. I mean, I gotta add a couple of funny stories. So one of them, the worst thing I think I've ever created in my life was in eighth grade, we wrote a, a book and it was a creative writing thing. And my favorite author was Douglas Adams who writes sci-fi comedy. And I highly recommend it for any, uh, you know, um, teenager, the, especially boys that, that struggle with reading because it's so much fun. But I, it was a disaster. It was, I mean, my mom still has it and I wish I could find it and burn it because I, it really it was just a complete disaster. But now with the success that I've had in the books that I've written that have been successful, I feel like that proves that it's not what you're born with. There, there is a skill that you can develop here and there are ways to find around that problem. And even public speaking for me, um, the first time I spoke in class, I was shaking and I was so unprepared and I knew because you, I can't read my notes fast enough to talk and, and things that I was freaking out. I was squeezing my hands so hard that my fingers were turning white. And I think the teacher, if I remember right, either just like called it and was like, Mike, you need, you can try again tomorrow. Uh, or she just like passed me with a C and was like, that was such a, I don't want to put 
torture this kid again and make him do it. So I, I, I think if I remember right, I wasn't even asked. But since then, I performed on, I opened for Billy Idol. I opened for Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. I performed in front of millions of people and have this podcast that has millions of downloads. And it's all because it was a learned skill. I wasn't born with that. Uh, so that growth mindset that you mentioned, I think I've learned along the way from my parents. And the last thing I'll say on this is my mom was the loving, nurturing parent that supported me no matter what. She didn't care what the grade in English was. I could, I knew that she was going to love me anyway. And my father was the uh, ornery, uh, in psychology, it's called the little professor. Like he is the one that is like, well, you can solve that problem. So one of my favorite stories here, and I think this is great for, for teachers and children, is there was a bully. I dealt with bullying several times throughout my life, but it was in preschool. And I still remember this story. In preschool, the bully would take the toy I wanted to play with every single time. And my dad said, oh, that's easy. Just go find a toy you don't want to play with. Act like it's the coolest thing in the world. He'll steal that one. And then you can go pick the toy that, that you really wanted. And I was like, I'll try that. And it worked. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, my dad taught me that it's like, oh, there are ways to solve problems creatively that are not through linear, linear thinking that you can get a, around whatever that limitation is. And that gave me that growth mindset from him, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. You know, Mike, I think we're going to end this right now because I think your message is powerful. And I really want people to end on this and think about it and really understand what we do matters and what we say matters to other people, but it also matters to us. We also need to recognize our own accomplishments and appreciate and value the hard work that goes in because you know what? It's only gonna benefit everybody else around us because if Mike didn't, look at all those readers, all those other people and listeners that would not have had his words of wisdom and his words of content that they would have wanted to learn. They wouldn't have been there from him. So I think these are tremendous messages. Mike, how could people get in touch with you? What do you want to throw out there for us? I think the best website is playfulhumans.com. I'm trying to help inspire adults to rediscover the power of play and this flexible mindset and uh, and growth mindset that you were talking about, because I think it's true at every age. Uh, and uh, I love what you're doing to help kids get started on the right foot. I'm trying to work on the other end of the problem. So many people have been told they're bad at things or they have to work hard to get ahead and uh, stuff that are just not true, <laughs> that, that are beliefs we need to re-examine. So I'm trying to help people do that at playfulhumans.com. There's a podcast and YouTube channel by the same name, if you like it. Uh, check it out. And then you can always reach out to me, Mike at playfulhumans.com. And I'd love to have a conversation. Yes. And all your information, we'll put that in the description. So everybody, thank you very much for listening to us, for really joining us. And listen, throw out some comments there. Have you had any of the same experiences? Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. Get his story out there. Get this information out there. And the more that you do, the better people will be. Remember, building the skills from the inside out to let the outside in. Make it a great day. Thank you for listening to the Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast. 
where school leaders, educators, and parents meet on behalf of children who struggle with learning. To bring workshops to your school or organization, contact Child Behavior Consulting and get started with resources available at childbehaviorconsulting.com, Amazon, and teacherspayteachers.com for ready-to-use resources and children's books. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to review, subscribe, share, and give us a shout-out on social media.